Is inflation taking a bite out of your grocery budget? Andrews Federal Credit Union is here to help. Introducing our Inflation Buster Share Certificate with 5% APY for seven months now through December 14th. Bring your money to Andrews Federal Credit Union today. The Inflation Buster account must be open with new money. Andrews Federal Credit Union membership is not just for the military. We also serve the community. Visit andrewsfcu.org. Federally insured by NCUA. Membership eligibility required. APY equals annual percentage yield. Must have a $1,000 minimum balance to earn advertised APY. This is the Average to Savage podcast with Paul Garino. Everyone and anyone, athletes, celebs, and much more. What's up, everybody? I'm back for another episode of the Average Savage podcast. Our special guest today is former NFL player and entrepreneur Darius Butler. Darius, how's it going? It's going great, man. Going great. Cannot complain at all. Uh, yeah, pre- trying to start this new year off right. Yeah, appreciate you coming on. And uh, I know we've been uh, going back and forth for a while, so I'm glad to finally have you on. Yeah, man, I'm glad we can finally uh, connect the dots and get together, man. Yeah, so let's uh, let's go back to your high school days. I know you uh, play a little bit of football, uh, basketball, and track. So uh, yeah, I saw you scored a hundred, a thousand points as a basketball player too. So so what uh, what was like your ultimate decision to just like focus on football? Uh yeah. So um, basketball was really um. Really, my first love, uh, you know, growing up, I always thought I would be, you know, the next Allen Iverson or something like that. Um, so I actually played, uh, started um, basketball. I played all four years of basketball. And then uh, my junior year, um, I went to kind of a fairly new high school. And uh, obviously, the football team usually takes a longer time to get some traction mm-hmm. um, than other sports just because it's a lot more that goes into it. Um, so, the first couple of years of me being at the high school, the football team was, you know, very bad. And I didn't want to be um, a part of it just because things were all over the place. So I just played basketball. My junior year, I finally um, decided to play. Uh, and, 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 you know, it was fun. It was fun. It was, it was kind of trying to put a team on the map. I actually ended up being the first um, the first athlete from my school to get a Division One scholarship offer. And then, um, you know, actually, when I went on my visit to UConn, uh, my coach told me, oh, you know, we'll, you know, we'll let you play football and, and try to walk on the, the uh, basketball team as well and blah, blah, blah. And obviously that story changed as soon as I got there. So, um, but as soon as I got to uh, college, I kind of knew that this was the direction I wanted to go was football. Um, I was kind of more suited body-wise to, to play football in the position I was playing cornerback. So um, I'm glad I made that decision. Yeah, what was uh what was your recruiting process like out of high school? Um, you know, I I, I was on the radar because um, you know, as far like I said, I went to a very small school um at the time. It's, it's grown now, but um, at the time it was one of the first charter schools. Like a lot of people didn't know what charter schools even were um, down in the South Florida area, especially. And um, down here, it's a hotbed for um for talent, um, especially on the football side. So um, I was, it was easy to to be looked over. I I had a pretty good year in my junior, senior year. My senior year kind of put me on the map a little more. And then I actually, I sent out a uh, video kind of late in my recruiting process. It was actually my mom's idea. She's like, you know what? You know, um, you know, you're flying around, you're dunking all the time. Like just sent out a video to these college recruiters of you just dunking. And like, this is before, you know, Twitter and Instagram and all that stuff. So I literally put together like a video um, like a VHS and sent it to <laughs> two different colleges. And um, UConn was one of those colleges. It was colleges that were kind of already recruit me. I should have sent it to everybody. Mm-hmm. But um, they were pretty blown away by it because I was, you know, 5'10", 5'9", at the time. And I was doing windmills and 360s and all these type of things. So those are the best type of things that, um, you know, college recruiters uh, salivate over. So... I did that, and I ended up um, making the uh, the All Broward team. So we have a Broward versus Dade team, Broward versus Dade game mm-hmm. uh, down here every year, football game. <clears throat> and um, obviously, it's so much talent that comes from you know Fort Lauderdale, the Broward County area, and then Miami Dade and the Dade County area. So when I had a chance to play in that game, you know, I started getting a lot more attention. But I kind of stuck to the guys who kind of started recruiting me first and UConn was one of those first guys, Terry Richardson, who grew up down here, um, you know, the recruit coach. And um, so that's how I got up to, 
to UConn. And, um, you know, obviously when I got up there, they were not a football school. It was men's basketball, women's basketball, and then football. Well, not even football. I don't know what came after that, but we kind of worked our way up during the years there. But it was fun. Yeah, for sure. You guys were, I mean, you were at the beginning of what, I mean, now it's, I don't know, been a little rough, but I feel like you, yeah, it's, you were, it's weird, it's, we took step back now. <laughs> yeah, you were, uh, you, you were at the beginning and then you kind of got like kind of big in football and then now it's kind mm-hmm. of going back down. But, um, yeah. what, what made you like pick UConn? Like, was there another school that you were deciding over or no? Um, like I said, the, the first three schools that were serious, the first uh, division one, um, three schools that was, you know, pretty serious about the crew process was, um, UConn, uh, Indiana and Florida and FAU. Okay. And, um, and then, like I said, later on in that process, you know, after the broad day game, after the tape kind of went around a little more, um, you know, I had other schools and, and kind of how the recruit process works in football is, you know, you, you try to sign all these guys and then, you know, some of the guys as a college, some of the guys that you expected to sign, they go somewhere else. Yeah. And then you kind of go to other guys on your list. Or I had schools calling me like, hey, you know, if this guy and that guy doesn't sign, you know, we're going to come. You, you're you basically next on our list. So instead of trying to do that and go to a bigger school like Eclipson or Georgia or Michigan State, those are some of the schools that kind of came in late. Um, I just kind of said, you know what, UConn wanted me. They wanted me pretty much my, you know, my entire senior year. Mm-hmm. So um, obviously they think highly of me. I will go in there and, you know, I wouldn't be trying to, get people's attention that I would just go in there and do, do, do my work and get on the field. And, um, so that's why I said, you know, I want to go somewhere. I want to get kind of away from home, mm-hmm. experience some things. UConn was just going into the big East. So I, uh, what are you talking about? <laughs> UConn was going into the, uh, into the big East. So, you know, I knew I would be playing against good competition week in and week out. And, um, so that was, that was a big, big part of it. I wanted to play against competition. I wanted to um, experience something new. So um, UConn ended up being, uh, and when I went on my trip, it, it, it kind of just felt like the right place. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of the guys that I went up there on the recruiting trip with in my football class, uh, we just kind of clicked uh, that first time. So, um, you know, it worked out well. Yeah, it's dope. And yeah, what, that was my next question too. Like what, what was your overall experience like at UConn, like as a, as a student and athlete? Um, you know, as a student, it was, um, so it was tough at first coming from South Florida, uh, the education system at high school is, is further along in Connecticut at that point. At least I'm not sure where it is now. The, the schools are different. Um, like I said, I went to a charter school, so I think that maybe played some into it as well as far as the curriculum and things. Um, so I had to put in, um, you know, a lot more time and effort just to kind of be caught up to speed because those things that were going over that I didn't necessarily feel like I was as prepared for as the, uh, you know, my other counterparts that were from, you know, Connecticut or Massachusetts or wherever up in that area. So, um, the school was tough at first and then I, you know, kind of got up to speed with that. Um, as far as the athletics, you know, I felt like I, I should have, I, I could have been a guy who, you know, could have went to any school in the country, you know, if I mm-hmm. went to a bigger school in high school, or if I just had more notoriety. Because I got, back then it was harder to mm-hmm. get noticed, you know what I mean? It is yeah. now. now yeah, and, what, and what year was this? Like this what, was just so the viewers, yeah, just so the listeners yeah. know, like, yeah, 2004. Yeah, so YouTube was wasn't even that big yet. I don't even know now. if YouTube, yeah, YouTube wasn't that was like, so um you know going up there it, it was it was um yeah it was it was it was different but um it was it ended up working out man so i i had a great time at uconn just the the, the college experience like i said being on you know on my own far away from home mm-hmm. um actually dealing with um you know seasons because growing up in south florida it's like <laughs> All we have is, you know, summer and fall, basically, uh, year-round. You know, it's right now it's, what, January, and I think it's 75 degrees outside. So going up there and actually dealing, you know, experiencing the, the autumn leaves and the snow and all those things. So um, it, it was it was all pretty quiet, pretty, uh, pretty good college experience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Up here it's about uh, 30 right now. 
Yeah, I'm not missing that at all. <laughs> For sure. And, uh, yeah, no, you went uh, all Big East, and you're uh, named captain twice of the team. So what, what was that like to be named captain of the team? Um, that was big. That was important for me. Um, it was important to, uh, at, you know, high school, I was a team captain. My uh, The two years that I did playing football, I was a team captain on the basketball team for um, my last two years. Um, you know, that, that's always important for me because usually it's um, something that's voted on by your, by your, you know, your teammates. Mm-hmm. So it's important that your teammates see you um, in that light. And um, being a captain, being a leader of a team, um, to me, was always a lot more about, you know, what you did and how you carried yourself, you know, as opposed to what you said. You know, it's you always have, you see those teams or those guys who just try to say the right things, you know, when the camera's on or, you know, highlights or in front of the team, the motivational stuff. But um, real leadership comes from, uh, you know, just leading by example. And that's mm-hmm. what I tried to do um, in college. And I was, you know, uh, that, that was one of my, um, you know, favorite accomplishments from college is being voted team captain and during my tenure there um i was the first well me dj hernandez and keith gray we were the first juniors to be voted captains Uh, up until that point it had only been seniors um so to be a two-time captain was a big deal for me yeah definitely and then uh when did you know like you had a shot of being in the nfl um, like I said, man, I was pretty confident going in. And mm-hmm. even with UConn not being a a football school or really being on the map, per se, as far as when it came to football, I had confidence in myself. And, and, a, and a lot of a lot of that came from uh, being from South Florida, honestly, because mm-hmm. uh, even though I was overlooked on the, you know, the, the, the scouts and the recruiting trail and things like that, the guys that I grew up playing against um, in the different neighborhoods, whether it been neighborhoods in, in Fort Lauderdale, Barrow County, or in Dade County in Miami, you know, I I was still, you know, a standout. I still held my own anywhere I went. So um, when I saw these same guys, you know, going to, you know, Florida States and Floridas and UMs and, um, you know, schools all around the country, I knew, you know, I, you know, I, I could, I was cut from the same cloth. So I'm um, going up to UConn. It was like, okay. You know, I'm in a smaller division. I'm at UConn, which isn't really known for football. So I, there's no reason, like, I should dominate, you know, and, and dominate soon. I should be on the field. Um, I felt like, you know, I should go up here and start, you know, as a, as a freshman. And, um, you know, I, I went to football with the goal to – I mean, I went to college with the goal to obviously play in Excel or college football and go to the pros. So that was my goal going in. And, um, you know, I never really lost uh, sight of that. Gotcha. And then what, what was the process like um, doing the NFL combine stuff and and um, preparing for the draft? Um, the, you know what? I'm going to go back real quick to, yeah. just just because I was just talking about that and thinking about um, actually, you know, my mindset and going into college and thinking, you know, like, you know, I want to go to the pros and – my freshman year, you know, I went up there about 164 pounds. I think I went up there and I didn't play my freshman year. I, they redshirted me, which I didn't even have a clue what redshirting was <laughs> going into college. Yeah. So, um, you know, I went through all the training camp and I'm making plays and I'm doing, you know, what I've always done. And then the, um, you know, the 2D depth chart comes out, which is basically, you know, the starters and the backups and put the depth chart out and I'm not on it. So I'm like, okay, I got a scholarship. Damn, I didn't make the team. Like, I felt like I was playing good all camp. Like, I, I didn't make it. This doesn't make any sense. I'm not on the special teams. I'm not, I'm not on this. I'm not on that. And then the coach set me down. I was like, yeah, we're going to redshirt you. We want you to get, you know, stronger. We want you to do this. I'm like, I'm like damn. So, okay, like, what does that even mean? He's like, basically, you're going to do everything except play on, on uh, Saturday. So I'm like, Okay, that I'm going from you know high school, obviously never coming off the field. You know, I play quarterback, so I'm touching the ball every snap. I'm playing safety, and then I'm you know I'm a kick return and a punt return, so I'm almost always on the field. And now I'm going to college, and now I'm just going to be basically a scout team all year, and I'm not going to play. I'm just going to stand on the sidelines every game, all game. So that was kind of um, that was crushing, especially. And now I kind of saw Connecticut almost in a bad light. Damn, I'm up here, far away from home, yeah. freezing my ass off. 
practicing. I'm not going to be playing. My family's coming up to games. You know, they're traveling a thousand miles away, spending money just to watch me on the sidelines. So um, that where I, I kind of took that part. Uh, and then my best friend, Tyvon Branch, he came in in the same class, and he played his true freshman year. So that my roommate, uh, Brandon McLean, who was from Connecticut, he actually went to a uh, high. Uh, he's from New Haven, Connecticut, and um, he was playing as a true freshman. So I'm like, damn, you know, my Larry Taylor, he played as a true freshman. So all my boys playing as a true freshman. I'm the one red shirt, so I'm pissed off. Yeah. But I had an opportunity to go up against Dan Orlowski, uh every day in practice, and that was kind of like my game. I felt like, you know, this is this will make me better. I'm going up against a, a pro prospect. Um, every day in practice, so this is where, you know, put it all into it instead of just, you know, sulking about it. And, um, you know, this is, I'll take this opportunity to get better. And that kind of jump started me going into my red shirt freshman year, and I just took off. And I, I earned a starting job in that following spring and uh, basically never looked back. Gotcha. Yeah, that, that's just, that's the story I was looking for. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Then, so what was it like preparing for the, the draft and like meeting all the teams? And, like, did you know, like, what round you were going to go in or what was that like? Yeah, so, um, my, uh, I got from talking earlier, um, I, I was a starter from, uh, made some freshman All-American teams. I had a pretty good freshman year. I think I had four interceptions in my freshman year. So I, I kind of started high and kind of kept that momentum throughout my career. Like I said, I was in the Big East. We were playing good teams. We were playing quality opponents. Um, we were playing on TV more and more every uh, every year. Uh, we got ranked, I think, my junior year um, for the first time in school history. Uh, so we had a lot of success as a team, and I started having, you know, I was having a lot of success individually. So, um, you know, you start to uh, – you know, kind of get an understanding of how, okay, this guy is rated here or there, or he can go, you know, first, second, third round, wherever. So I kind of knew my junior year, I I had the, the option, which was, you know, my red shirt junior year. I could have came out and, um, you know, been into been in, went in the draft, but there was a lot of, that that class was loaded with corners. They had, um, you know, Rogers Kamari and Antoine Casey, and they had uh, a lot of guys that went kind of, they had like five or six corners that were first round. And um, Chris Houston, a lot of guys. So I'm like, you know, okay, maybe I'll come back this next year and then just try to go higher, get one more year of college, one more year of this, one more year of that. So I actually came back my senior year, and I was, you know, kind of on most people's radars um, as far as the scouts and the teams and all that stuff goes. So, um, Going coming out, I kind of had a good idea of you know where I was, who was up there as the other top guys. Vontae Davis was um, Alfonso Smith, a guy I played against in high school. It was um, Malcolm Jenkins out in Ohio State. So mm-hmm. I kind of knew, okay, this is you know, and then you start seeing the rankings from you know, there's Mike Mayock or NFL draft scout at that time, or whoever it was with the rankings. So I kind of had a good idea, and then going into the combine. That was the moment where it's like, okay, now everybody's, you know, everybody has their film against the different teams or whatever. And, but now we're all on the same field. All of the scouts and the decision makers, GMs, the coaches, they're here to watch us, you know, kind of all. So we're kind of, you know, we see each other on these, uh, like I said, this is still before kind of everybody was buddy buddy like they are now on social media. So now I'm seeing Fonte <laughs> yes. Davis, he's sizing me up, I'm sizing him up. I'm seeing Malcolm, I'm seeing all these guys. So now we're like, you know, now we're all on the same, we're on the same playing field. So now they're just trying to see us in shorts and t-shirts, how we play football, the interviews from the teams. Um, I have pretty good coaches in college. So um, I did pretty good in interviews and, you know, on the whiteboards and things like that. Um, it, 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 it was fun, man. The combine was fun. It was a long, draining process. And then the last day is when you do all the physical things. But it was fun just having that opportunity. That's something I look look to my, you know, my whole life, you know, as far as to be at the combine, to, you know, run a 40, jump a vertical and do all those things. And I hit um, a lot of high marks. Uh, well, what I thought was high marks until Byron Jones went in there and blew away the combine. And then OB, you know, these guys, I'm like, damn, what's, what are they putting in the Yukon? Uh, training juice, but um, so it, it was it was fun. Though. The combine was fun. It was a uh, learning experience. 
and um, challenging, mentally challenging, physically challenging, but I, I enjoyed it. That whole draft process was just an eye-opener as far as how much of a business it is, how mm-hmm. much of an investment these teams are making in you, and uh, you know how, how much they're looking into your past and your relationships with people you had in college, whether it's the trainers, whether it's the the, uh, the other coaches, the, like everybody, like you know they're they're uncovering everything. So it's important to always, uh, not only for that reason, but it's always important to treat everybody the right way along the way. I always believe that. Yeah, isn't isn't it like don't they ask like crazy questions? They they like almost like <laughs> investigate you like. Like crazy? Yeah, they, 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 they do, man. They ask you kind of some off-the-wall question. I can't even really think of a crazy one right now, but they actually, some of them are literally just to see your reaction yeah, to yeah. the question, and then others, and I, and I know they've kind of caught some heat with it, uh, yeah. so they've kind of backed off of it a little bit, but, um, you know, it's all part of the, it's all part of the process. Um, yeah. and, and, and when you're, you know, Basically, doing the job interview for the you know biggest job or a dream job that you have for your whole life, um, you know, I, I didn't really have an issue with it. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's funny to just like hear you talk about before like social media and like because like I'm just thinking like it's like weird that you didn't see these players like I mean, obviously you saw them on TV, but I'm saying like now you could just like you literally know like what they're doing like every day almost. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You can really see, you know, what's what, who's who. You you go and um, you know, and, and then once you get into the pros, you know, in the off season, you're working out with a lot of guys. Guys are trading the same place and things like that. So, uh, mm-hmm. but going to the combine, it was. Uh, I went to the senior bowl before that, so it was kind of that way there too, mm-hmm. you know. But uh, so it, it was it, the whole process is good to because you know people are playing their own conferences and own games around the country. And then when you can get everybody in the same place, it's like, okay, you know, now mm-hmm. it's kind of everyone can see what it is. Yeah. And then what was uh, what was draft day like for you? Draft day was stressful, man. Yeah. It was stressful because it's just so many, uh, you know, nobody really knows how it's going to play out. The teams don't really know. The, the players don't even don't really know. The agents don't really know. Um, you know, everybody kind of has their idea of how it's going to play out, and then it kind of plays out how it does. Um, outside of probably, you know, the first pick. But uh, following that, a lot of it is a domino effect um, because sometimes the teams the teams even want a certain guy, but then another guy may fall to them. It's mm-hmm. like, oh, shit, you know, I wanted him, but now I didn't expect mm-hmm. him to be on the board still. So we take him now, and then, you know, somebody else can get drafted, and then it kind of, becomes what what they call a run on players so mm-hmm. sometimes or on a position so like the year before me um i forgot which cornerback but a cornerback went kind of early and then that kind of started the run on cornerback so like five corners went in the first round and then you get to my year the first cornerback didn't go until Vontae was the first real cornerback taken at 25 by the mm-hmm. dolphins Malcolm Jenkins was taking at 14 by the Saints, but he, you know, most people expect him to convert into a safety, which he did. So, you know, you basically have one first round cornerback, and then I end up falling to the second round. And uh, I think, well, Alfonso Smith went before me, and I was the third cornerback uh, drafted. So it, 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 it's, it's really a crapshoot. It's stressful because you got teams, you know, like I said, I was ranked, you know, one of the top two or three corners. Um, you know, the mock drafts had a lot of them had me going first round. Um, you know, match you up with certain teams. I had teams tell me to my face, Hey, if you're here at the 22nd pick, like we're taking you. I'm standing on the table and we're I'm telling, you know, so and so to take you. If you're here, and then, you know, I had another team, you're here at the 25th pick, we're taking you. And then, you know, as the picks are going on, you have teams calling you. Hey, you know, we're still looking at you. If you're there, you know, we're we're probably going to take you, blah, blah. You got friends calling you. It's like, man, it's just like, bro, don't call me right now. All right. (laughs) I don't want this phone to ring unless it's somebody giving me a job right now. So it's stressful, man. You got your family there, your friends, you know, they all want you to go to different teams for different reasons. Um, So it's stressful, man. And then once you finally get that call, um, uh, it, it, it's it's a big relief. Um, it's kind of a culmination of you know a lot of the work that you put in. Um, you know a lot of the luck that you had on your side. 
um, a lot of other people that have uh, helped you along the way. And then um, it's a team and an organization believing in you and uh, believing in you coming in and, and fitting in with their uh, with the organization, with their program, and, um, you know, they're making a positive impact. So to finally get that call um, in the second round from the uh, from the Patriots was, uh, I, you know, Bill Belichick actually came to uh, UConn and ran my pro day. Uh, so it, that was that was a big deal as well because um, at that time I don't think she went to a lot of pro days. You know, I remember him coming to run my pro day and uh, he even put a comment out somewhere that he said like it was the best DB workout that he had seen. Um, but so it, it was it was it was cool, man, for it to all lead up to that moment. And then um, you know I was playing pro football pretty close to where I played uh, college football. Yeah, for sure. And what um, like who gave you the call? Was it your agent or like the um, Patriots or both? No, uh, it was the, the Patriots. Uh, it was um, I'm trying to think who. So it was first. It was Belichick's assistant, um, <laughs> guy named Bush, who who called and basically was like, you know, I'm going to put you on a phone deal. Uh, you know, Belichick got on the phone and he was like, you know, are you ready to be a Patriot? You know, kind of, you know, a little quick conversation. Then he put me on the phone with uh, Mr. Kraft. Uh, you know, I had a conversation and then, you know, kind of got off the phone and they actually had two picks. Um, we had actually had four picks in the second round. It took Patrick Chung, uh, Sebastian Ballmer and uh, well, it took Patrick Chung first. And then I, then they had the 40th and the 41st pick and they called me right before those picks and told me they were taking me. So I didn't know which pick they were taking me. Gotcha. And they took Ron Brace, who was a D tackle from, uh, Boston college. Um, unfortunately passed away. Uh, a couple of years ago, uh, I took Ron Brace at number forty, and then they took me at forty-one. So um, it was it was it was crazy to um, you know. So I got the call, got off the phone before my name went across the board, and just start hugging all my family, you know, my brothers, you know, start crying, just everything. It was it was, it was crazy. Yeah, and I don't know, I don't know if you knew it, at the time you were the that was you were the second highest pick out of UConn. Oh yeah! Oh yeah! I didn't know that yeah. because uh, Donald Brown he yeah. went the first round that year yeah. to the uh, to the Colts, the team yeah. I ended up on. So um, yeah, it was it was it was it was crazy, man. It was crazy. Even for that that class of guys from UConn, yeah. um, for us to have four because we had four second uh, first and second round picks. Yeah, Donald Brown going the first round, and we had me, Cody Brown, and Will Beatty going the second round, and you know that was a pretty big deal for UConn. Um, you know, coming from where we came from, we got to to that school in 2004. Yeah. Um, and then where we were in 2009, it was, it was crazy. Yeah. And I remember seeing a graphic in, I don't know, probably in the early 2010s. And there was, uh, it was like UConn had more football players in the league than like some of these powerhouse schools, which was obviously. Crazy. Oh, yeah, for sure. And I know in the first and second round, we had, um, you know, more picks than like, you know, big schools who were mm-hmm. like, Ohio State's or UM's or whoever um, that year, so that was uh, that was, that was pretty pretty big. Deal. We, were, we were pretty proud of that. How did you pick Drew Rosenhaus as your agent? He was he had already been uh, my cousin's agent. My cousin Willis McGay, we played in the league for a long time, played running back in the league out of UM, and um, you know, so I had already been around uh, Willis in the time in the off season. Sometimes we would go to whether it was a camp or something to work out, and I would kind of see him around. Um, and just, you know, he had, he had represented a lot of guys at the time. So I feel like he had a pretty good beat on what was going on in the league. So, um, that was one of the main reasons I, I ended up choosing him. Um, you know, he was my agent for the first eight years. And then, um, you know, I ended up moving on from him and, uh, you know, with, with, uh, with my last agent and my current agent, Buddy Baker, um, out of Indianapolis. Um, you know, and based off what, Buddy Baker was actually my best friend's agent for his entire career. And, uh, you know, just kind of seeing how he handled him and how their uh, professional and personal relationship was, kind of seeing that from a distance. Also, him being based in Indianapolis, and that's where I was based for the majority of my career. Um, you know, it made sense to uh, move in that direction. Yeah. And then I know you kind of touched on it, but what was it What was it like? Uh, you were kind of familiar, obviously, with the area. You were growing up from Connecticut to Massachusetts. Oh yeah, it was it was good to be um to be that close. Um, you know, I either I ultimately I wanted to Dolphins were actually one of the teams that told me they were gonna draft me and growing up a Dolphins fan. 
I remember telling my dad um, that the Dolphins, oh, they said they're going to draft me, you know, if I'm there at 25. Like I said, how the draft works, they didn't expect Vontae to be there at 25 as well. So they probably said we're taking a corner, and they probably expected me to be the one that would be there. And, uh, you know, Vontae ended up falling in their lap. But um, I remember telling my dad uh, probably a week before the draft, and um, he told somebody else, and like a reporter put it in the Sun Sentinel, which is the big paper down here. Yeah. And the Dolphins is planning to take, you know, Derrick Butler, according to his father, blah, blah. I'm like, oh, my God, come uh, on, Dad. <laughs> but um, so that was my first choice to go and play home. And then I, my next choice would be to play um, football where I had played football the previous uh, four years up in the New England area. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, the Patriots were, you know, the standard for success. And, uh, you know, to be able to have the opportunity to play for a coach like um, – like Belichick, you know that that was that was that was a dream come true. So um, it, it was awesome, man. I and mean, having a lot of friends from college that can still come up and, and watch me play, and just being familiar somewhat with the New England area, mm-hmm. and um, you know, kind of how it works. How you know you got the Red Sox and the Yankees, and this and that. You know, you just you just kind of I just knew the lay of the land in a sense. So it was uh, it was kind of weather work. So uh, it was cool. It was real cool. <clears throat> and. Uh... Yeah, what was what was it like playing for Bill Belichick? It was great, man. Um, yeah, it was it was it was it was awesome. Uh, he's just so uh, meticulous um, with his approach to the game and his preparation. And um, I did I didn't appreciate it as much when I was there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I appreciated it a lot more after I left and went to other teams. And then I was like, okay, now I kind of understand. I kind of see why, you know, he may have been such a hard ass when it came to, you know, interviews or, you know, what type of information that you give to the public. Um, You know, how do you prepare for this or that? Once I got older in the league, I had a a much higher respect for um, the process and and how he went about it and uh, appreciated it more. And um, I kind of, one of the reasons I did, it didn't work out in New England was because of how um, you know how he how he was coaching me and you know it almost in a sense trying to change how I you know how I played a lot of things so it was like okay I went the re- the way I got to you know being a second round pick and been on this level is kind of doing things this way and now Belichick you know wants me to do it this way and that way and kind of like everybody else and kind of butted his there got in the doghouse there and kind of didn't really appreciate how he how he went about everything and then uh so if, if i had to do it all over again i would appreciate it and understand it but uh it's good man. i still take things that i learned from uh building that organization uh even today with yeah. post football um you know you know how important it is to cross cross all your teeth got all your eyes so um it was a pleasure man and you know his his uh dry sense of humor mm-hmm. uh you know that a lot of people don't um you know don't see you know how he is away from the cameras and stuff, but uh, it's a method to the madness. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I know you played two years in New England, and you played a year at Carolina, but then you, uh, I think you really established yourself uh, as a Colt. So, what was uh, what was like, what was it like playing on the Colts? Um, it was it was great, man. Um, that was like you said, my third opportunity in the league, and um, you know, everybody kind of has their own their own path of, you know, how their professional, you know, careers go. Regardless of how high or low you go in the draft, um, everybody kind of has their own story that plays out a certain way. And mine happened to play out that way. I was I got um, cut after my second year in um, New England. So after my second year, I got benched during my second year and then going into my third year um, in that camp. Um, you know, I, I kind of saw the writing on the wall and it wasn't really working. So I actually, you know, called my agent, um, Rose House at the time. He's like, look, man, I want to try to get a trade or release, you know, get out of here and just get a fresh start somewhere else. And he was kind of like, ah, you know, I don't know if you want me to call Belichick and tell him that, like, maybe you should go you know, talk to him. So I actually went to talk to him and he kind of, we, we had a conversation and, um, he didn't, he kind of was like, oh no, you know, keep doing anything, but after the fact kind of during the first week of you know preparation for my third year that's when I was released which you know I had certain feelings about that move but I ended up getting picked up um, by the Panthers 
Mm-hmm. Had a year there. I had some things off the field that happened with my daughter. She had some medical, um, she had to have open heart surgery. So that kind of threw off that whole football year for me. Football was kind of the last thing on my mind for that year. Mm-hmm. But uh, following that year, I was cut again, which is challenging. And then I ended up getting picked up by the Colts like week three or four in the 2012 season, um, which was Andrew Luck's rookie year. It was Chuck Pagano's first year um, as a head coach. It was uh, Ryan Griggs in his first year as a, a general manager. And um, when I went and sat with Ryan Griggs, um, he actually told me, and it kind of goes back to treating everybody the right way along the way, because he went all the way back to when we had met at the Combine. And I didn't even remember meeting him at the Combine. He mm-hmm. was um, on the Eagles staff at the time. And he had remembered something I either did or said around him that he, you know, he liked. And he said, you know, this is kind of uh, your third opportunity in the league. Like, it's a lot of guys banged up on this roster at the time. So if you can't come here and make it, like, I don't, like, you know, this this could be your last stop. So um, I was like, man, you know what? This 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 is it. Like, I got to make it. I got to make it work. Um, backs against the wall. And I have to, if I'm going to go out, I'm going to go out, you know, doing things my way and doing things the right way. So um, that's, that's how I went. And I, my first start... Uh, the first start that I had in Indianapolis, Thursday night football down in Jacksonville, which is kind of close to home. I ended up getting two picks. I got two interceptions. I ran one back for a touchdown. I got first forced fumble, a fumble recovery. I ended up winning AFC Defensive Player of the Week. And, uh, you know, half the coaching staff didn't probably even know who I was. Actually, the quarterback's <laughs> coach, Clyde Christensen, actually was in an interview the following week. And he was like, I didn't even know who he was at the time. So, uh, but that's how it goes. You, know, you get your opportunity and you, and you try to run with it. And um, that's what I did. And, uh, you know, ended up playing a lot of games for coach. Um, ended up playing six years there. Um, playing cornerback. I, I was a starting nickel for the majority of the time. And I, my, ended my career actually playing safety. Um, and I was a defensive captain on the team, so um, it, it was a, it was a, a just you know you have your ups and downs in your careers, but um, you know I had a great time in Indianapolis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I'm gonna I was gonna ask you like what like what kept you motivated after getting like cut twice? Um, you know, just 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 my goals. There were just so many goals that I hadn't reached. Um, it was you know so much more that I wanted. Um, you know, I knew that I was better than, you know, the situations that I was in, um, as far as getting released, I knew I was good enough to be in the league. Um, you know, it was just a lot of things, family, uh, my friends, uh, opponents, just all of it, um, you know, motivated me and obviously, you know, being self-motivated, um, you know, just wanting to do a lot more, feeling like it's a lot, uh, a lot more meat left on that bone. Um, because at some point um, in your athletic career, you're going to be told, um, you know, you're, you're not good enough anymore. Your career is over. And and that, that's, that will be the case, whether that's high school for some people, mm-hmm. um, whether it's college for some people, or whether it's pros. And, um, you know, it, it happens. But I just felt like that wasn't my time. And, and um, you know, so I just kept pushing yeah, and what, what was it like playing with some college teammates in the pros, or in, oh, and against always, them? Yeah, it's always dope, man. It, 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 because in college, it, you you kind of build a different. Um, it's just a different level of camaraderie there. Mm-hmm. Um, it's different, like like like. Still to this day, my best friend um, I met in college actually on my recruiting trip, Tyvon Branch, mm-hmm. and then uh, being drafted in the same draft class as Donald Brown, and then ended up going to the Colts and playing with him um, on the Colts it was cool. Playing with Donald Thomas on the Colts was you know very cool because we had a close relationship in college. Uh, playing against Anthony Shane, you know, Ryan Griffin, playing against Tyron Branch, playing against all Marcus Easley, just all these guys that you went to school with and you put in that, you know, blood, sweat, and tears, and then you go in there on the highest level and seeing them there for one, obviously being happy for them, you know, and then playing against them, uh, Kendall Reyes. Like, just, just uh, I'm sure I'm forgetting a lot of names, but uh, it was just, that's just such a, a cool experience, especially coming from a small school like, like UConn or a small football school like UConn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I remember uh, that picture. Or no, actually, actually, I don't know if you were in it. It was the one with Donald Thomas and C.O. Moore. I think, oh, uh, maybe, yeah. Yeah, yeah you were in it. with C.O. as well, yeah. Yeah, you were in the picture, right? I think I was, yeah. It was yeah. C.O., Donald Thomas, um, and some, I, Donald Brown. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Tavon Branch. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That was the uh, we played the Raiders. We played against the Oakland Raiders. Yep, yep. And then, uh, yeah. what what advice would you give to like a player trying to get like a D one scholarship or trying to make it to the NFL? You know, my biggest advice is just never lose confidence. Um, you know, because that can happen in sports. Um, you know, so it's especially now with um, you know, with social media and everybody having opinion, an instant opinion on, you know, who or what you are, um, as a person or a player. Just never lose sight of, you know, who you see yourself as as a person and a player. Um, the competitor never let that com- competitive fire um, die down because once you lose that edge, um, you know, you don't, you don't have a chance and, uh, you know, always hold yourself accountable, you know, before anybody else can, you know, be real with yourself, um, put that work in so that you can, that you actually deserve the success that you get, you know, because you don't want things to just happen by happenstance or luck. You want to put that work in and then when you get to, um, whether it be a workout or a, a tryout or um, a game or the Super Bowl, and you make the play that you, you know, been working your ass off your whole life to make, you know, you should expect it and be um, be happy for it, be excited for yourself and just keep working, man. Never never be satisfied. Yeah, I like that. I like that. And uh, what, what have you been up to now uh, that you're retired? And I know you have your podcast. I think you just started your podcast recently. I've seen you've been on, like, yeah. some, some panels talking uh nfl analyst and uh i see you investing in some stuff so tell me a little bit about your post-career life yeah uh, i've been doing a lot of things man um the the first thing i got into was uh real estate after football because you know my mom real estate is just so important um just ownership owning land owning property uh that'll always be important not make any more land so um Get 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 your piece and, and make it and make it make money for you. Um, that that was always important for me. Then uh, I, I went back to school. I'm uh, actually getting my MBA right now at Fordham at the Gabelli School of Business up in New York. I went to the broadcast boot camp, um, and then that kind of got me into doing more broadcasts and got me more opportunities. So I've been on um, you know been on ESPN, been on CBS, uh, been on Bleach Report. So just. Just talking about sports, um, doing the work that, that that goes into it behind the scenes. Uh, like you said, I just started my um, – it's, it's a YouTube show. So I started off as a podcast, but now it's more of just like a YouTube show mm-hmm. on the YouTube channel, Everything DB. And it's really just talking about, you know, literally everything that goes into being a DB as far as, you know, from preparation, um, from, you know – going into games, you know, how is it matching up with certain quarterbacks and certain players? You know, how do you prepare for, you know, certain things as a, as a DB? How do you train in off season? How do you take it? Like just everything that encompasses being a defensive back. And um, because I had the, I was fortunate enough to play nine years in the league. And then I was even more fortunate to, I got to play and start at multiple positions. I started at cornerback. I started at nickel. I started at safety. So, um, you know, I have a, I would say a good scope of, you know, what goes into it. So I just wanted to kind of spread. It's, it's, a, it's, it's, it's really, it's niche down to, you know, people who want to be better DBs who either want to coach DBs better or even fans who just want to understand the secondary and what goes on back there better. Because a lot of people, a lot of times you watch TV, you watch your games. And honestly, a lot of the announcers and the color analysts who have don't know what the hell's going on. In some <laughs> like that. They don't know whose fault it is when the touchdown is given up and things along those lines. So I just saw the need there and I uh, just wanted to feel that need. Um, doing that, uh, what else, man? The, the freaking uh, uh, the, the stock market, uh, understanding that, uh, you know, investing in that. Um, and, and, and it's really, for me, and I'm not trying to give any stock advice or anything like that, but for me, when I first got into it, um, it was just about, you know, how can I make, um, because you're going to be an athlete, like I said, at some point you're going to be told, you know, you're not good enough anymore, and obviously you're going to stop making that money as an athlete. And for me, my career, my first career was over at 32. So I wanted my money to always be, you know, kind of working for me and not necessarily, you know, based off the hours that I'm putting in, how much money I'm going to make, but be able to put your money in some type of vehicle and it grow over time. And obviously the stock market has been, you know, one of the biggest things for a long time in this country. So, um, and for me, I started getting into it based off the things that I was using and the things that I was spending my money on anyway. 
So one of the first stocks that I invested in was Apple, you know, years back. I'm like, okay, you know, every time a new iPhone comes out, I'm buying a new iPhone. I got an iPad. I got a MacBook. I got this. I got that. So I might as well get some stock in Apple. I might as well buy stock in Nike. I might as well buy stock in Netflix, Facebook, whatever it is you're using. Just buy some stock in it, put some stock in it. And then the other stuff just comes from really reading, researching, and saying, okay, I'm going to put some money here or there. So um, that that kind of... Um, that's, that kind of excites me. That gets my blood going when I'm talking about that or reading that. So um, I'm I'm just doing I'm doing a lot of things right now, man. You know, just yeah. being um, you know, divesting and trying to um, you know, not only do it but educate the the people behind me. So because there's a lot of things that I wish I'd have gotten into you know earlier. Yeah, yeah. I mean, even so, like, how are you like self aware? Like, I know because like some athletes like after they they like have no idea what they want to do like after like. Did you already did you already start planning before uh you retired? Um, you know, it's kinda of, it's kinda of like honestly for me it's kinda of like when you go to college and you yeah. think you know what you want to do as far as a major you pick out and then you kinda of talk to other people and you take certain classes and you're like, Okay, maybe I don't wanna, you know, do psychology, maybe I'll do this, you know, or that. So it's kinda of like that for me too when I was playing, um, I didn't really know. I always thought early on like I, I would want to coach after. Mm-hmm. But then I just felt like coaching would take too much of time yeah. because, you know, putting in that time as an athlete, you put so much time. Like, I missed, you know, so much time as far as family time and holidays yeah. and vacation and things like that. So when I got done, I didn't necessarily want to have to do something that, uh, and I didn't realize this until I got done, I didn't want to do something that would take up so much of my time. Yeah. You know what I mean? So um, I, I kind of step out, okay, maybe not coaching. Then the, the broadcasting thing, of the, being an analyst, talking football. So, okay, this is something that, you know, I can see myself doing. So let me go and get more educated on it. Let me go to the broadcast boot camp and kind of grow my network even more. Um, so I think that that's what it comes down to. Um, you just kind of surround yourself with more people and just start to network. And then you learn more things about uh, about more things. You end up learning things, more things about yourself, what kind of gets you going, and what um, you know what gets you up in the morning. So um, that the first thing I did after I was done was actually I kind of took a year, kind of just off to just kind of relax, um, be with the family. Um, you know, like I said, I was for everybody won't have the opportunity to do that because I was fortunate enough to play a long time, so I could kind of just take that step back. And then <laughs> now I'm kind of you know, doing, dabbling into different things. And then I'm kind of trying to navigate and bring it all together. So, okay, maybe I'll just do this one thing. This will be my main thing. And then the other things will kind of be things I do on the side. But, um, so that, that is still, I'm still kind of in that process, in that transition mm-hmm. process. So, uh, it's fun. It's, it's like, I'm, you know, a freshman again, a sophomore <laughs> now, I'll say. Yeah. <laughs> it definitely seems like you're enjoying it. Especially, I just see all your posts and stuff. It seems like, you're doing uh, good things and you're making yourself happy. Yeah, that, that's 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 the main thing, man. Because it's not you know all about uh, you know one thing. It's about for me. It's always about not only trying to be uh, as successful as possible in whatever I'm doing, but more importantly, you know, passing whatever knowledge you have down or or back or around to other people to say, hey, you know, I'm doing this or I'm doing that or what are you doing? You know, how are you doing this or that? And mm-hmm. just kind of you know, spreading that information and, and circulating it. Yeah, for sure. All right, you ready for some fun questions? They're gonna go from average to savage. Let's do it. All right, what's your what's your favorite song right now? Oh man, <laughs> that's tough. I got. I don't even have a favorite song. Honestly, I listen to so much, so many different music. Man, this is the last song I played. I just tell you that. I'm gonna go with Roddy Rich, the box. All right. Yeah, he's hot. He's on fire right now. Yeah, yeah, his album, his album is pretty dope. Uh, what do you What do you like to do in your free time? Well, uh, you know what? Um, I like to read and I like to play uh, cards. Cards? Oh, cards. Gotcha. I like to play spades, man. Spades is my favorite card game. You, I, love, I love a good spades game. I'm a, I'm a big audio book guy. So, do you listen to books or you actually read them? Um, you know, I drive. I, I do yeah. drive a lot sometimes, certain weeks. So that's when I do the audio books for the podcast. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I'm, I guess I'm old school. I like the paper. I like reading it, man. Flipping those pages. I like. I would definitely take reading a book over uh, listening to one for sure. 
Gotcha, gotcha. And what about what uh or who would you want to exchange a jersey with anyone in football? Uh, you know, I didn't get ex- I didn't exchange with Brady. I would I would exchange with Brady. Tom Brady. That's a, yeah, it's definitely a good one. Mm-hmm. Um and last one, uh did you ever beat uh the women's Yukon team in the pickup game? <laughs> <laughs> Name. We just whooped that ass. <laughs> nah, we were, uh, they honestly they, they beat us more than we did. <laughs> but uh, we used to play them every summer. Uh, that was actually one of the highlights of my son is going in there and playing, uh, playing against the basketball teams, especially women's basketball teams. Man, they they um they humbled <laughs> they humbled a lot of guys that came into football. Oh yeah, you know I can play I can play basketball. Probably. Yeah, they they. Appreciate you coming on, and uh, could you let the fans know where they can follow you? Oh man, um, on Twitter, uh, Darius J Butler, and um, same same handle on, on Instagram, Darius J Butler, and uh, you know check out the show on YouTube, um, Everything DB Show, and um, also on uh, you know Twitter, IG, same handle, Everything DB. All right, again, I appreciate it, and we'll be in touch. All right, man, thank you, thanks for having me, Paul. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. 